Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Or two. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to SaskGag Today. Coming up on today's program, there's a number of different factors on markets these days. One of them is the low water levels on the Mississippi River in the United States, as well as through the Panama Canal in Central America. We'll also hear from the Canadian Wildlife Health Cooperative, who monitors wild bird populations for potential disease outbreaks, We'll have Erin Moffat, who is a wildlife biologist, with them, and she'll talk about what they've come across so far in Saskatchewan. And the general manager of Manitoba Pork is calling on governments to make the agriculture sector and the economic activity generated by agriculture a higher priority. We'll hear from Cam Dahl. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. Third. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. Water levels are low on a couple of major shipping routes, the Mississippi River in the United States and the Panama Canal in Central America. The low water levels mean that only 32 vessels can move through the Panama Canal daily, down from 40 one year ago. Now it's possible for shippers to skip the line, by participating in an auction overseen by the Panama Canal Authority. Tommy Grisafi is with Advanced Trading Risk Management. Arlen Suderman from FC Stone, he tweeted that there was a vessel that paid $2 million to get through the Panama Canal, up to four or five times the normal amount, and that people are actually like you would do on StubHub, going and outbidding each other. There's a huge backlog of ships, and they're outbidding each other four or five, six times X to get through the Panama Canal. That's a double whammy, not a good sign for international shipping, not only from America, but from around the world. That is not a good sign. Now, people need to eat, the grain will flow, but it may take a long time to get around and get through these problems. Late last week, there were 115 vessels waiting in line to move through the Panama Canal. Meantime, it was a very good weather weekend for harvest in Saskatchewan. As more canola comes off, we're seeing futures prices decline. This is Errol Anderson with Pro Market Communications in Calgary. The canola market's experiencing some harvest selling pressure right now, and which is normal for this time of the year. The November contract, you know, it broke down below 800, and now we believe the next line in the sand is at 780. And we're getting close to it right now. If by chance we do break the 780, then I see it in $20 intervals. The next key support's 760, and the major support's at 740. Meantime, Chicago Board of Trade wheat futures hit their lowest level in more than three months on Friday. 
This is in advance of important world agricultural supply and demand estimates due out tomorrow morning from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Lance Honig is the USDA's Chief of Agriculture Statistics. He gives some reason why tomorrow's forecast is so important in providing direction to the market. So now we've cleared through a lot of those critical developmental stages, grain fill stages, things of that nature. And so, you know, any weather impacts that have happened between the 1st of August and the 1st of September can really be a big deal. And so getting an updated measure of the crops following that period of time is always a big deal. The WASDE report is celebrating its 50th anniversary with the latest edition coming out at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, Saskatchewan time. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Priestville Salvage. See them for new and used ag parts. Beef and Forage Report. U.S. feeder cattle futures and deferred live cattle futures climbed to new peaks on Friday as limited U.S. supplies continued to propel prices. Inventories of U.S. cattle dwindled to their lowest levels in decades after producers reduced their herds over the last year because drought reduced the availability of pastures for grazing. Brokers say gains last week signal expectations for higher cash cattle prices. They added that producers are willing to delay sales to processors to wait for higher prices. Brokers also say that meat packers are earning money processing cattle, which helps to support demand. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. EX94, Ag Review. Canadian canola ending stocks edged higher in 2022-23, while wheat carryout was slightly lower. That's according to the latest stocks data from Statistics Canada, released Friday. Barley, oats and peas also saw increases on the year, while lentil supplies tightened. Total wheat stocks as of July 31st at 3.58 million metric tons were down by 2.2% on the year, and well below the five-year average of 5.58 million metric tons. Of the total, Durham stocks were down by 30% on the year at 396,000 metric tons. Canola, meanwhile, saw the carryout increase to 1.51 million metric tons from an upwardly revised 2021-22 carryout of 1.33 million. The canola stocks were still well below the 2.72 million metric ton five-year average. The data for stocks of crops held on farms was compiled based off of a survey conducted May 15th to June 12th, well ahead of July 31st, raising some concerns over the accuracy. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 91% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 5, a decline from the previous week's 98% order fulfillment performance. The deterioration in performance in total reflects a decline in performance for each of CN and CPKC. In supplying 89% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 5, 
CN saw performance decline from the 98% order fulfillment performance they posted in week 4. CN performance falls below the 90% performance threshold for the second time in three weeks. CPKC order fulfillment performance also declined, with the railway supplying 93% of shipper orders in week 5 as compared to 98% order fulfillment performance in week 4. CPKC continues its run with now 21 straight weeks with order fulfillment performance above the 90% threshold. A system of pest-free places of production is now on the drawing board for Prince Edward Island's potato sector, following a meeting between federal and industry officials. On Friday, Federal Agriculture Minister and PEIMP Lawrence McCauley reported meeting with staff and representatives of the PEI Potato Board to discuss next steps in the face of new potato wart-related restrictions on the province's crops since 2021. While not considered a human health or food safety risk, potato wart is known to reduce crop yields and can make potatoes unmarketable by ruining their appearance. The zone system allowing U.S. exports continued up until October of 2021 when potato wart was confirmed in two PEI fields which were related to previous detections and were already under regulation. In November that year, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service advised U.S. Border Services to reject all shipments of PEI potatoes. Meanwhile, the federal and PEI governments plan to spend $46 million to support the island's agriculture industry. Federal Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley made the announcement today with Provincial Agriculture Minister Boyce Thompson saying the money will come from the Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a $3.5 billion five-year agreement between the federal, provincial and territorial governments. Among other things, this cost-shared program will be used to encourage the development of land management practices for establishing perennial crops that help build resiliency in soils and reduce erosion. As well, it will help support the development of the livestock industry. A Russian agricultural bank subsidiary in Luxembourg could immediately apply to SWIFT to effectively enable access for the bank to the international payment system within 30 days. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres told Russia this in a letter late last month. Guterres outlined four measures that the United Nations could facilitate to improve Russia's grain and fertilizer exports in a bid to convince Moscow to return to a deal that had allowed the safe Black Sea export of Ukrainian grain. Russia quit the deal in July, a year after it was brokered by the UN and Turkey, to combat a global food crisis that the UN said was worsened by Russia's February 2022 invasion of Ukraine. Ukraine and Russia are both leading grain exporters. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast, It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will continue right after these messages. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Disturbed. 
Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's partly cloudy and 15 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The Canadian Wildlife Health Cooperative monitors wild bird populations for potential disease outbreaks. There's a network of offices set up at veterinary colleges across the country, including the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. Dead birds and wildlife are submitted to monitor any diseases that could potentially impact humans. Aaron Moffat is a wildlife biologist with the Canadian uh, Western HC's Western Northern Node based at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon. CWHC stands for Canadian Wildlife Health Cooperative. So as a whole, the CWHC is a network of nodes across Canada. So basically we're embedded in all the veterinary colleges across Canada. So I'm a part of the Western Northern Node. And so we cover the Western Northern region, which would be Saskatchewan, do some Northwest Territories, some Yukon. And we get dead wildlife or anything that somebody might find or is wondering why it died, um, gets submitted to us. We basically try to figure out why it died. So we do a variety of diagnostic tests. We have veterinary pathologists do necropsies. And then we send the report out to the submitter and basically compile that data and try to figure out what's going on with wildlife populations. She explains why it's important to keep track of what the wild birds are dying from. Well, it just helps with population management. It's just good to know what's going on. And um, in some cases, if there's interventions that can happen, then people can know, get an early warning sign of what's going on. In the case of West Nile, like having an early warning system for something that actually can affect humans is really helpful. And also to inform agriculture, too, because some of these diseases might be important to agriculture. So there's a lot of different parts that it can be helpful with. Moffat provides an update on the number of birds testing positive for West Nile virus in Saskatchewan this year. Well, West Nile right now in the province, we're looking at uh, 19 positives so far this year. She tells us what types of birds have been affected. Mostly crows and magpies. So it looks like right now we were 10 crows, 6 magpies. And then three raptors, so uh, there's a couple different hawks that tested positive. Moffat explains where these birds are being found. Well, these positives are mostly coming from Saskatoon and area, and then we've had some from Regina. Not necessarily an indication of where all of the positives are going to be found. It's more of an indication of where we're getting birds submitted from. She outlines how it's believed these birds contracted the virus. Well, it would be from mosquitoes, mostly. Um, potentially other birds. Moffat tells us how these numbers compare to previous years. Higher than the last couple years. She explains what the general public should take from these numbers. I think just general awareness. It's good to know that it's circulating in bird populations and that it's possible to become infected and, you know, the very small proportion of people can get severe illness. So it's important to know that it's there and just take general precautions against mosquitoes, long sleeves, bug spray. But Moffat isn't sure how West Nile virus has affected the human population in Saskatchewan. I can't fully speak for it. I believe there have been some positive tests, but not cases of severe illness. And she notes avian flu hasn't been an issue in Saskatchewan this year. In the wild birds, I would say definitely in our area. It's been fairly slow. 
we had in the 200s number of positives last year and this year you know we had a few early on like in May and we haven't really seen much since so this could ramp up a little bit with the fall migration but it's just way slower than it was last year. Aaron Moffat is a wildlife biologist with the Canadian Wildlife Health Cooperative. She's based at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 184.22 today. That's up one full cent. December live cattle closed at 188.27, up 85. October feeder cattle closed at 261.45, up 230. November feeder cattle closed at 262.75, up 212. October lean hogs closed at 82.55, up 102. December lean hogs closed at 74.65, up 20. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will return right after these messages. Welcome back to Saskag Today. The general manager of Manitoba Pork is calling on governments to make the agriculture sector and the economic activity generated by agriculture a higher priority. Cam Dahl suggests that rather than being a problem to be dealt with, agriculture is a key economic driver. Well, I think if you look back historically, agriculture was was really viewed as, as the problem policy child. Um, uh, you know, it was, if, for example, you go back to the 1980s and the 1990s, it was it was a really difficult time in, in agriculture. And uh, we had trade wars between Europe and, and the States and international markets were uh, were depressed. Um, it was uh, it was difficult to to, uh, you know, really make a living in, in agriculture. And so when, when policymakers were looking at agriculture, they were, they were looking at, you know, how do we find solutions to, to, to problems? And that really has changed. Um, that has, uh, uh, you know, especially the last 20 years, we have, we have seen a, a real shift and, uh, agriculture isn't the problem child anymore. Uh, you know, we've negotiated trade agreements. Uh, we've we've seen an end to some of those subsidy wars. We, we've seen policy shifts that are really allowing agriculture to uh, to be profitable and uh, to be a driver of of the economy. So so from a policy perspective, we need to see that same shift in 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 a policy perspective as well. Is uh, you know not asking. Uh, how do I solve the problems of agriculture? But but looking at agriculture and asking the question, how do we how do we encourage this industry to further develop and and drive our growth, our economy, our communities, and and jobs? Uh, and and so that's a that's a shift in shift in perspective. He outlines the key challenges today in terms of generating the environment needed to capitalize on agricultural opportunities. Well, I, I think if you, again, look back at, at what I'll call some of those dark times in in, uh, in, in the 1980s and 1990s, and uh, a lot of that was caused by bad government policy and, and things like protectionism um, and, uh, you know, inhibiting trade. So, so 
we need to ensure as a starting point that we don't repeat those same mistakes, uh, that uh, we, we fight for, for free of trade. Um, you know, we fight for an integrated North American market that's particularly important to, uh, to Manitoba's pork sector because, um, you know, 90% of, of the 8 million pigs that we produce are, are exported either, either as, as pork or, or as live animals across the border. So, you know, let's not repeat the same mistake. Let's avoid protectionism. Let's fight for, uh, let's really fight for, uh, for uh, open trade and, and open borders. And then I, th- I think another key aspect is, is uh, you know, ensuring that our regulations stay science-based. We're, we're seeing, you know, a lot of drivers on whether it's, it's social media or the internet where, where, you know, I would say we're, we're seeing a, a trend for, emotion-based policy, uh, emotion-based regulations rather than science-based regulations, and whether that's around environment or around animal welfare. So, uh, you know, the, the second key I would, I would give is, is let's ensure that we keep science-based uh, uh, regulations. And then the, the third that I would offer is look at, at collaborating with agriculture and not regulating agriculture. Again, that gets back to sort of the, the basic concept that agriculture is, is a driver of growth and, and change and adaptation. And, and so if we work with, uh, with farmers and, and producers and on, you know, what, uh, how, how can we provide incentives, for example, when it, when it comes to, uh, to some of society's sustainability goals? Uh, rather than uh, look to the the regulatory stick, so I, I think if if I would look down the road, you know those those three broad categories would be um, you know something that I think we need to keep in mind to to uh, cultivate agriculture going forward. Dahl talks about what we've seen in terms of the economic contributions of agriculture. Manitoba Pork actually hired an outside uh, independent economic firm to to look at the economic impact, and um, they're they're significant. Uh, you know, the the by far the largest value added sector in 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 agriculture uh, is is pork, and they're. 22,000 full-time jobs in Manitoba that are are, are tied to the uh, to the hog industry. Uh, the the sector you know contributes 2.3 billion dollars a year to the e- economy. Um, you know 137 or 139 million dollars in, in taxes are, are paid by the industry to the uh, to, to the provincial government every every year, and I think about another 87 million are, are paid to municipalities. So it is uh, it is a real critical part of, of Manitoba's economy. Um, about 3.5 percent of, of Manitoba's GDP is is tied to the, the the pork sector, so it's it's not um, it's not a minor player, and I, I think a really critical important point for to really hammer home in, in this message about the story of of agriculture and the story of pork is that it's not just a rural discussion. Um, there, you know, the jobs and, and the contribution to the economy and 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 to community um, really do come from all. You know, impact all parts of of the province, whether you're in Nipawa or Brandon or, or Winnipeg. Um, there are 2,500 jobs at that corner of of uh, uh, Archibald and, and and Marion in in downtown Winnipeg. So, um, the the sector's important, and the health of the sector is important to to every Manitoba, no matter if you uh, 
you know, if you're living in, in rural Manitoba or if you're living in, in, in downtown Winnipeg. He then goes into the report Manitoba Pork has issued to the community. We don't always do a really great job of, of telling our story um, and telling our story to, to all parts of the province and, and to policymakers. So that's really part of the intent. It's, it's one of the tools to be able to sit down with policymakers and, and politicians and, and really talk about uh, the, the story of, of Manitoba's pork sector and, and uh, hog production and, and what it means to the industry. Uh, the efforts that we're taking on, on animal care. Um, you know, there's 107 plus uh, requirements in, in the code of practice that, uh, that farmers are required by law to follow um, when it comes to animal care or the improvements that have been made to environment and, and nutrient management. Again, here 90% of the, um, the hog manure in Manitoba is, is either injected or uh, immediately incorporated in, into the soil. So those are, are things that we need to talk about because I, I think, uh, you know, oftentimes people hear about the sector and, um, you know, think, think back to, uh, to 1970 in, instead of 2023. Dahl explains how anyone can get more information well, I, I think, you know, getting in touch with Manitoba Pork, we'd be happy to sit down and, 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 uh, and talk and, and, you know, pro- provide this, this kind of, uh, in, information and, uh, you know, really, really have that dialogue, uh, with, with policymakers, uh, ab- about the sector. And he had these final comments. One of the things I, I would like to add is that, you know, telling our story is, is something that's a responsibility of, of everybody that's, that's part of the industry. And, and so I would give that as a, as a challenge to, uh, to producers or, or people that might work for, for High Life in, in uh, Nipawa or, or Maple Leaf and Brandon in Winnipeg is, uh, you know, talk to your candidates in the upcoming provincial election about the uh, the importance and the value of the hog sector. Um, we need to all collectively tell this story. Cam Dahl is the general manager of Manitoba Pork. It's time now for the commodities update, and that's a presentation of Ducks Unlimited Canada. Ducks is offering a new winter wheat program package that will help with your crop's yield and water retention. The winter cereal program package comes with agronomic advice from seeding to harvest and more. With I4. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at 767.60. That's down $12.50. January canola closed at 7.76.10, down $11.90. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 7.66 and three quarters, down four cents. December Kansas City wheat closed at 7.23 and three quarters, down eight and a quarter cents. December Chicago wheat closed at 5.84 and a half down 11 and a quarter cents. December corn closed at 485 and three quarters, up two cents. November soybeans closed at 1369 per bushel, that's up six cents. December oats closed at 493 and a quarter, down six and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. 
Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will return right after these messages. Four. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. With harvest in full swing in the Parkland region, I had a chance to speak with a grain broker from Johnston's today, Lavon Sargsayan, and he tells us what everything is selling for right now. So we'll focus on the Saskatchewan pricing for now, but uh, uh, starting with the barley, I'm seeing five fifty to six dollars a bushel picked up on farm. Wheat, I'm seeing eight fifty to nine dollars a bushel picked up on farm. Um, moving on to special crops, uh, canary seed, I'm seeing 45 to 46 cents a pound. Large green lentils, around 62 cents a pound. Uh, small green lentils, 60 cents a pound. Small red lentils, 38 to 39 cents a pound. Uh, yellow peas, 10 to 10.50 dollars uh, a bushel picked up on farm. Green peas, 15 to 15.50. Chickpeas, 55 cents per pound. Maple peas, 23 to 24 dollars a bushel. And moving on to mustard, a yellow mustard between 87 to 90 cents a pound. Brown mustard, 75 to 78 pounds or dollars a pound. Oriental mustard, 72 to 74 dollars a pound. And moving on to flax, brown flax, I'm seeing $17 a bushel. And yellow flax, I'm seeing $25 a bushel. That's Lavon Sartsayan, a grain broker with Johnston's. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Mainly sunny, winds east-southeast at 10 to 20, and a high of 17 degrees. For tonight, mainly clear, winds southeast at 10 to 20, a low of 4. Tomorrow mainly sunny, winds south-southeast at 20 to 35, a high of 21 with an overnight low of 11. For Wednesday, a 40% chance of spotty showers, winds south-southwest at 20 to 35, and a high of 22. For Thursday, mainly sunny and breezy, a high of 22. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 19. In the Paw, it's 16 degrees. Swan River and Brandon are at 15. Dauphin, Show Lake, Russell and Roblin, 13. Regina and Indian Head are at 17. Saskatoon, 13. Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 15. The Yorkton, Melville region has a partly cloudy sky. An east-southeast wind at 13, gusting to 28 kilometers an hour. 58% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 15 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program.
It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Broadcasting. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.